Welcome to Reading Between the Reels. I'm Matt Leder. And I'm Craig Dickinson. Today on the show, we are looking at The Mandalorian, Season 2, uh, Chapter 14, The Tragedy. Uh, this is the episode that brings back Boba Fett officially, which I think is pretty fitting considering that his, uh, his television show on Disney+, Plus, The Book of Boba Fett, is now in full swing. So we thought it'd be a great time to take a look back at this particular episode. So Matt, I have a question. First off, what are your overall thoughts on the tragedy? So, you know, this is, I think, pretty close to the middle of the second season uh, of Mandalorian. And overall, I, I think it, it it's kind of living in two worlds for me. One, it, it feels like a bridge to kind of the the tail end, the, you know, the final act of the second season for The Mandalorian uh, with, with Grogu kind of making his, uh, you know, long distance phone call. And you have uh, Mandalorian kind of meeting some characters that we, we know from past episodes um, and from past films. Um, there's some good action uh, that I like. I, I like the team up. Uh, there's a few things that I don't enjoy about the episode and kind of what it means for the Mandalorian and honestly, Star Wars on Disney Plus overall. So I'm going to leave it at, at, at that uh, just for now. Ooh, uh, but what, what are your overall thoughts? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, a little tease for later. Uh, my first thing is what the title refers to, which is an interesting, I think it's a great title. Because I'm not sure what it refers to. It can refer to to multiple things. Is <laughs> is the tragedy, you know, the the capture of Grogu? Is it Grogu turning dark? Maybe at the end because we hadn't really we don't really know uh, at this point while it was live. Is it you know the destruction of the Razor Crest? What is what do you think the tragedy refers to? Do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, no, I I don't think it's particularly well named (laughs) (laughs) well there you go like like, to me it's much more of a bridge episode yeah and i think possibly the the tragedy is the fact that like uh mando's essentially kind of giving up grogu like he's kind of coming to that conclusion that's that's probably the best i could give as far as the title is concerned gotcha i thought you were gonna say something meta like the tragedy is that they named this episode so poorly (laughs) <laughs> fantastic um yeah i don't know it can mean lots of different things uh i also think that uh, the, my biggest takeaway from this is just how we kind of have this change of perception of boba fett where he's was barely in you know even though he has this reputation as being this amazing character he's barely in empire and jedi uh but we get a ton of them in this episode almost he says more in this episode than he said in the films uh and I'm questioning at this point and during this episode, like, is he a good guy? Am I supposed to be rooting for him? Cause I am cause he's awesome. And he's incredibly generous in trying to help Mando get Grogu back. I think it's, it's kind of comes out of nowhere. Like he has this real sense of honor and, you know, it's different than I would anticipate Boba Fett from who, my perception of who he is uh, in this episode. And I see him a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a great point that, you know, from what we know about Boba Fett, he's, he doesn't sound like one, like based on reputation to help out Grogu and, and Din, like 
that does kind of come from nowhere. And, you know, maybe it's uh, a thing of old age where he's had other life experiences and he's changed as a person. We don't get to see that, obviously. And, and maybe we'll see some more of it from the upcoming uh, Book, of Bob, Book of Boba Fett. But, you know, I, I do think that kind of comes from nowhere. And they even kind of mention this uh, where, where Fennec says, like, the, the bounty on your guys' heads has risen that we could buy 10 sets of armor. So it's a good deal. You know, and it's like, yeah, Boba Fett would probably just kill him and take the like, Right. So. Yeah, this is the no disintegrations guy, right? This is the guy that's Darth <laughs> Vader. And, you know, yeah, but having a very near death experience and the battling back from that, I'm really hopeful that we'll be seeing that through his through his show. Uh, that was that's at least one of my hopes, one of one of the things on my wish list. Uh, but I do have like almost everything I have in this episode that I liked cinema, uh, you know, cine- cinematically is is Boba Fett related. Uh, I'm going to start with in, in composition, just seeing him stalking toward the stormtrooper transport, just in slow motion, just the way they have that. He's almost like, you know, he's almost like a serial killer just kind of coming at you. Like he, you can't stop him. There's it's slow because you're kind of dreading it. Uh, at least if you're a stormtrooper, like we're enjoying it. Cause we want to see stormtroopers. We mentioned the last episode, now they're kind of cannon fodder and they don't stand up very well to, to Boba Fett in this episode. He, he takes care of them pretty handily. <laughs> as far yeah, as, co- um, yeah. no, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to throw in that. That's that stood out to me too. Boba Fett's stalking of uh, the stormtroopers. Um, I also, I, I do enjoy the the fighting that um, uh, that that Boba Fett does and Venick with the stormtroopers. Um, overall, I, I think it's shot pretty well. Um, where there's like a good amount of clarity. This is something that we mentioned in a previous episode, um, where it's it's like the editing around the fighting can get really choppy and you can lose your place. And um, I do think that sometimes the the creators get into trouble when you have someone who has like a, a melee weapon and then you have people with guns and they run up to the person with the melee weapon, <laughs> <laughs> right. which happens a little bit in this episode, but overall I think it's, it's pretty good, but I just enjoyed the fact that you could tell like what was going on uh, in particular with like the boulder um, yeah. when Fennec like drops the boulder on the stormtroopers and you got to see uh, from the stormtroopers perspective, the, the boulder coming down, which is also a, another one of those uh, unconventional solutions to problems. Um, she kind of uses the landscape to her advantage. Yeah, that's a good catch. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm encouraged from this episode about the book of Boba Fett because it's directed by Robert Rodriguez, who's going to be heavily involved in the book of Boba Fett. Uh, and of course, knows he's no stranger to action movies. So that's not surprising that he would know how to do that. And then also you have uh, the cinematography by David Klein, who is going to be working on book of Boba Fett. It's edited by Andrew Eisen, who was going to be working on book of Boba Fett. So it's almost kind of a backdoor pilot in, in some ways for what we're going to be seeing. And if this is how the book of Boba Fett unfolds, I'm in, I'm sold. I do want to say, cause I love pointing out blue sky beams. There's a blue sky beam in this move in this episode, <laughs> which is great. Yep. You know, and I, I don't know why I've never kind of latched onto this 
as, as tightly as I should have, but blue and force power really goes hand in hand. Like there, when you start yeah. thinking about, I was like blue force ghost, blue lightning, like lots of stuff on mortis. Of course, the sky beam is going to be blue. And it's, you know, it's very bold blue. It's, it's right there, right in front of you. So it's like, oh my goodness, why did I not get that before? Blue, of course, is kind of reminiscent of, of water. Uh, and then as you see Grogu on the scene, Stone, he's kind of, it's serenity too, right? It's very calming, mm-hmm. um, at least from the inside and outside, not so much. Definitely. Anything else, uh, cinematography that, that jumped out to you? I like the, well, you mentioned the first person, uh, the stormtrooper about to be crushed by the rock. That was a, that was a good. Point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it for, for cinematography for me. Okay. Um, what about, uh, what about sound effects, soundtrack, vocal sounds, any of those things? What, what stood out to you for those? Um, again, you kind of have this soundtrack that isn't that kind of classic star Wars symphonic soundtrack. It, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's kind of feels like a running, running theme for, for Mandalorian. Um, you got the, you know, the, actually there's one thing, one more thing that pops into my head and I was going to mention this for cinematography. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll just jump in with that real quick when, uh, Fennec shows up again. Right. I actually love the uh, shot that they have where she opens up her, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what it is, her armor. And then you see like her stomach is open. It, I, that, I don't know for what reason, but that just kind of hit me. I want to say that there's some kind of sound effect. I don't know if it's like a mechanical piece moving or like a heartbeat or something. Sure. Um, but I think that that was like a really interesting, it's also a little bit of that world building as well. I think that's like a really cool piece that like hints at a larger world uh, that I think good world building does. And it kind of incorporates a little bit of that, that visual element. You see that the sound effect, the world building. Um, I don't know if you know, is she like cyborg at this point? Is that just kind of like mechanical, like they replace something yeah, I mean, it. I guess suppose it depends on what your definition of cyborg is. I, I, she's got mechanical parts, so I would say, yeah, that's she's. She was left for dead. I mean, she probably had a, essentially a mortal wound uh, on Tatooine, and now uh, she's patched up with replacement cybernetic parts. So yeah, I, cyborg she is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She 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 fits the bill. Uh, I would say my favorite sound is slave one when you hear it coming over the over the horizon and so you know we had had just that glimpse all at the end of the season premiere of season of season two at the end of that great episode you know with Cobb Vanth and the armor and the crate dragon and all that stuff and then we get that little little kind of stinger at the end where oh my gosh I think that's Boba Fett and then you hear slave one and you see it I'm like I remember just seeing that for the first time going oh my gosh Boba Fett's here this is gonna be so awesome and then it was far better than that, but just getting to hear that. Cause that's, again, that's, it takes you right back to original trilogy and seeing, you know, empire strikes back and uh, even attack of the clones has some great slave one moments as well. So just kind of a fun, 
I, you know, gets borders on fan service a little bit, but I think that's one thing that's kind of strikes the balance pretty well that if you're in the know, you, you know, what's, what's going on. And if you don't, then you're in for a treat. Mm-hmm. I will say soundtrack. Yeah. It, it is kind of echoing what you said earlier. It's not the traditional star Wars score. I really like Boba. I don't know if it's quite his, his light motif, but when he's on screen, that there's this very drum heavy kind of low horns reminded me a lot of the Tuscan Raiders, which I think is fitting because of the way he's dressed and he's using the gaffy stick. And we know at least, well, you can kind of summarize that he's been hanging out with, with the same people with the Tuscan Raiders on Tatooine since before he uh, shows up here. So very animalistic kind of wild, you know, world music, just it's all, it's, it's very savage uh, as is Boba Fett as he's just cracking stormtroopers left and right. Yeah. Uh, savage and yet weirdly not savage, very kind to Din and Grogu. So yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> so weird. What about, what about performances? You know, we mentioned in our last episode that, you know, a lot of the acting is, is very static. It's kind of underacted in this show. Did, did this episode change your perception of that at all with, with either uh, Fennec Shand uh, Ming-Na Wen or, or Tamar Morrison as, uh, as Boba Fett? Did either of those characters or acting performances stand out to you? Um, yeah, like overall. Um, I think that, you know, there's a moment early on with uh, Pedro Pascal where he's playing with Grogu. And I think that you get a, a strong sense that, you know, Mando loves Grogu. And, you know, there's that uh, a bond between them. And so, it, you know, it's not that uh, Pedro Pascal is underacting. I think he's acting in the best situation that he can, right? Given the circumstances, given that he's in a helmet in this bulky armor, he's doing what he can with it. Um, and it's kind of the same with uh, Tamara Morrison uh, once he puts his armor on. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. Same mm-hmm. with uh, Ming-Na Wen as, as Fennec, where it's like everyone's covered up, covered up in armor. And I think they're doing as best they can. I think uh, Boba Fett and Fennec are both acted pretty well. I both buy who they are. I think they're authentic to the characters. Of course, you know, Tamara Morrison has essentially played uh, in at least voice acting, if I'm not mistaken, in like Clone Wars and stuff for a long time. So in some ways that that role has never really left him. Um, I do also, I do want to say this, like one of the lines that, that worked for me uh, was when we're introduced to Boba Fett and um, Din asks him, are you Mando? Mm-hmm. You know, are you Mandalorian? And he goes, I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in a universe like my father before me. And he's echoing the line that uh, Jango Fett used in Attack of the Clones. And <laughs> I, I do not like fan service uh, most of the time. I think it's uh, trite. I think it pulls me out of the film. This one actually really worked for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I really enjoyed this one, and I think it's because it, it it's actually like a legit answer, and it makes sense within the context of the script, the story, that it's like, 
Django Fett was using that line to kind of obfuscate and like try and trying to trick Obi-Wan Kenobi and attack the clones, right? Trying to disguise what he's really trying to do. And in this episode, that's kind of what Boba Fett's trying to do, just like his father before him, where it's like he's trying to give a non-answer. Um, and I don't know, that that really worked. I think that that fits the bill for uh, the character, for, for kind of what's going on. Uh, so I enjoyed uh, both... Uh, Tamara Morrison and Ming-Na Wen in the episode. Um, I thought they were pretty, pretty good given the limitations that I've already mentioned. I love that you, you, you pointed out, there's a couple of things I want to echo and respond to what, what you pointed out with, with dialogue there. And I'm going to take them in order. I love that you pointed out um, how you can see that, that Din has actual fatherly affection for Grogu. He keeps saying Grogu and you're right keeps looking and this is a weird this is a weird connection but for me that kind of reminded me of like why you're not supposed to name like lab rats because you form an attachment <laughs> to them and so he didn't have you know he called it you know kid occasionally and it was with it's been referred to or grogo has been referred to as the asset and all these different just very generic nouns but now that we have an actual name for him you know, you can see that that bond is is real, and like that, that Din is kind of solidifying that uh, that bond with him by using that name over and over again uh, to say, "Yeah, I I do care about you. I do see you as who you really are, not just this thing that I have to take care of." So I love that you you brought that up. Um, that's uh, the scene my daughter loves that so much. Just eh? <laughs> just popping his head back and and forth. Uh, it's interesting the conversations about the armor and whether or not Boba is a Mandalorian or not. Uh, it's not one conversation, but it kind of is. It's broken up multiple times, uh, which is interesting. And I think you took my favorite one, which is which is which is fine. <laughs> uh, you know where he does kind of. It's a non-answer, right? Uh, and uh, there's been a lot of debate online, and that's one of the big questions I have from this. And I tend to think that yes. Not that it, or even doesn't matter if he's a Mandalorian or not. I don't know if it does matter. I I know some people take that section as no, he's not a Mandalorian. He's denying that he is. I don't think that's the case. I think he just doesn't need to tell you. You know, that's also it's in the very next episode where he has an exchange with Bo-Katan and he's like, yeah, I didn't say that. Never claimed to be. But that doesn't mean that he's not, you know, because later on, and this is, I'll pull this line out too. You know, he, he pulls out the thing with the chain code, right? And they talk about, you know, your father was a foundling, which immediately is, Mando says that to, to Bo, but they have this bond, right? Because we've seen in, in, you know, in our last episode, we mentioned about this, and there's a lot of stuff in season one about how Din Djarin is is a foundling and becomes kind of adopted into the Mandalorian culture. And now we find that, you know, Jango Fett had a similar experience, even fought in the Mandalorian Civil Wars. And so you kind of have this, the parallel, they're almost kind of foils for each other, which I think is, is fascinating. And so, you know, if, if Din Djarin is a Mandalorian, and of course he is, it's the name of the show, and it's talking about him, then I would say by extension, so was Jango Fett, even if, you know, we had in the Clone Wars where um, Almec says, no, he's not. 
but he was a bad guy. You know, he was always unreliable narrators and things like that. If Django was, then genetically, if that matters, then Boba is, whether or not he takes the creed. I don't know. I think that's one thing I'd like to hear from our listeners, whether they think and what their evidence is. Is Boba a Mandalorian? It doesn't matter. Because I don't know if it does, but I like to think that he is. What do you think? I I mostly agree with you. Where I don't think it ultimate. I and maybe that's kind of where Boba Fett's coming from. Maybe that's why he gives a non answer is because whether he is or not doesn't matter to whether he's going to kill you in this moment or not. Like, <laughs> right? You know that that that's a conversation for another time because he's about business right now. Yeah, and um, and so it, I personally think that he's Mandalorian. Uh, I think he considers himself Mandalorian, but I also think that, yeah, it kind of doesn't matter. Not, not right now, you know, in this right. episode. So, I mean, I think it's a very interesting conversation uh, to have, but I think from, from Boba Fett's perspective, it's like business first. We'll have a, com- a deeper conversation at another time if I choose, you know, to do that. Right. I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's a really good take. You know, he's, he's clearly a very private person. And doesn't want to get into the political ramifications of what a Mandalorian is. And we hear in other right. episodes about how there really is no Mandalore anymore, right? That, that, that whole culture is essentially an endangered species. almost almost extinct. And so like, why would it matter if I claim to be Mandalorian or not? Like there's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the one left from this formerly large organization. Not, not that important. Plus, you know, like, again, like you said, he's all business. I feel like it is a disservice that we did not mention in our previous episode about the, anything about the volume, where these things are set, where this, where this, this, uh, uh, this TV show is, is filmed. You know, we have some great locations, all of them fake, which I think is the most impressive special effect that I, that I think I've seen in a very long time. Because I would have sworn that most of what I saw in season one was on location somewhere. And to find out that it's like in a warehouse with TVs on the ceiling. I mean, that's gross oversimplification, but that's amazing. Good job, Lucasfilm. Thank you. Yeah. Because uh, I, I think Tython is real. That's the planet that we're on in most of this episode. It feels real up on yeah. the hillside um, going, you know, with the hills and, and, and the stormtroopers trying to go up and the rocks coming down to crush them. Yeah. This, this had to have been outside, right? Nope. It was not. So uh, I'm incredibly impressed with that. And I'm yeah, very grateful it, that they it found works a way to, extremely well. Yeah. That they found a way to do this um, relatively inexpensively so that we can get this you know, virtually cinematic experience uh, on a TV show. So anything, uh, else was setting and design that uh, jumped out to you? Uh, nothing that I haven't already mentioned. Well, no, there is one, one other thing. Um, <sighs> I just feel like I'm kind of being a sour post, but that's, <laughs> that's um, part of the fun of the show though, is, is you being cranky and you're trying to explain. It. <laughs> so like uh, I remember growing up, uh, and I mentioned this on the, the the previous episode with the E-Web Blaster, like all the visual dictionaries that Star Wars has. I mean, there's a million of them by this point. 
But one of the things they do is they point out all the like the little hidden weapons and stuff that Boba Fett has on his armor. Like the fact that he's got like two little guns on the kneecaps of his armor, which is just ridiculous. So cool. (laughs) (laughs) So dumb. (laughs) Love it. Now, I I take that back a little bit because it's like, whatever. It's it's over the top. That's fine. Boba Fett's kind of an over the top character, right? Uh, But I don't know. It it kind of annoyed me the way that they used it in this particular episode because to me those are like a last resort like you're grappling with an enemy and you manage to like you know you're wrestling with them and you know you end up using it to save your life kind of deal and it just seems awkward to me the way that Boba Fett was like fighting the stormtroopers and then (laughs) a couple of them are running and then he just like does like a, a knee, like a, a lean forward and like points his knee at them and shoots two of them. And it's just like, but why, why are you doing that? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know. It, it looks cool. That's why. Cause when he puts on the suit, like, even though it's all like dingy and like the paints faded, and he's much rounder around the middle section. Like some of us get to be yeah. get a little older, <laughs> like that's still Boba Fett. And I know it's and what you know it's even it's a different actor obviously in, inside the suit you know he did the voice for for Boba in the in the newest in the newer editions of Star Wars the official editions now and of course he played Jango Fett and looked the same as Boba Fett did uh, when he puts that on like it's a whole other level of he's back you know because Boba Fett is you know the armor is Boba Fett Boba Fett is the armor in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and yeah it is kind of silly but like <laughs> again we're talking about a space fantasy. <laughs> With like I know, little, I know. Yeah, yeah. Little green. You're right. I am guy. being cranky, but <laughs> I had I had to throw that out there because that's the fun. Even rewatching it, yeah. Even rewatching it, it bugged me the first time, and it bugged me rewatching it. So it's yeah. just like, yeah, I got to mention that because I feel like I don't know. You know, I'm not a filmmaker, but I feel like you know you could have done a scene where Boba Fett's desperate and he gets the blasters knocked out of his hand or something, and he uses those little things to to escape. To me, that would have just been a, a, a little bit more cool, and it yeah. felt a little, felt a little off. Yeah, yeah. That you bring up a good point because at no point, at, at no juncture in, in this episode, is Boba Fett in any danger. Right, right. He is not desperate at all. Not, like not he, really. He is terrifying. <laughs> you know, whether he's using the gaffy stick and just cracking dudes' helmets, like you probably preferred that. You preferred that then, I would assume, over the the kind of gimmicky armor scenes. Um, you know, it had some of the same issue of guys with guns running at people with sticks. <laughs> like, why do they do that? They're not trained very well. <laughs> and so, you know, it's one thing is again, one of those things where you, you just have to accept it for what it is, but like overall, like it was way more brutal with like the little bits of stormtrooper armor flying off into the air. Yes. And so it's like, I enjoyed that more than the little kneecap gun. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So in in degrees, Uh, we also get to see him use uh, the rocket on the back of his Mm -hmm. his jetpack, which is, that's a thing for the first time, right? Uh, I'm trying. No. Oh, well, we've seen Django Fett. We've never seen Boba do it. That's right. We saw what I'm thinking of is, is Django versus Obi-Wan on, uh, Oh, right. Yeah. He does use it. Yeah. 
Uh, but one of my, so we again, see it once essentially, but yeah. In my one other one of my favorite lines is when he takes down both transports. He shoots the one, and the other one crashes into the second one. And Din Djarin says, "Nice shot." And he says, "I was aiming for the other one, all grumpy like." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm out of practice, but it all worked anyway. It it works. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anything else before we get down to final thoughts? Uh, I mean, I'll just jump to final thoughts. The last thing that I really particularly enjoyed and then some other just closing thoughts. So the the one thing that I I truly enjoyed was the fact that the razor crest gets blown up just in the sense that like uh, in our last episode, we talked about uh, Giancarlo Esposito kind of monologuing, right? Sure. And another thing that I forgot to mention on the episode that kind of annoyed me was the fact that he's okay, sets up this e-web blaster, talks about it for five minutes about how dangerous it is. And then he's like, okay, I'll, I'll give you a couple hours to think about it. It's like, <laughs> no, he's just, he's just a Bond villain. Like, I'm telling you, you got 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, that, that annoyed me. Yeah. This is like the exact opposite where it's like extremely practical. Where it's like, yeah, we're just going to blow your whole ship up. <laughs> now, what are you going to do? Right. And so it's like that, that to me reminds me of um, Indiana Jones. And I think it's Raiders of the Lost Ark when they're running away or um, uh, Marion gets kidnapped in the basket. Sure. And then Indy comes up against the sword fighter and the sword fighter swinging his sword back and forth, this big fancy show. And then Indy pulls out his pistol and shoots him. Right. And it's like, yeah, that's the practical thing, right? That's what you do. Uh, that's what you would do. And so this reminds me of, of that. So I, I enjoyed that, that little moment there. Um, final, final thoughts is I kind of hate season two a little bit. <laughs> wow. Okay. Because it, it, and this, this episode is part of it is a big reason why. And it's that, you know, you're building up um, in the episode that we did in our, uh, uh, the last episode that we talked about the Mandalorian. Uh, there's a line that uh, the armor says as she's pinning like the, the mud, uh, mud horn symbol on uh, Din's armor. She's like, you're now a clan of two. And it's like, that's kind of the promise that the show is making is that it's going to be Grogu and Din you know, adventuring around, searching for a home, essentially, right? And uh, this episode, it, it's it's kind of the beginning of the end, where it's like, no, that's you know, at least that's what this season is saying so far. Who knows what's going to happen in season three? But it's like they, they get broken up, and I think that's a, I think that's a mistake because I think the relationship the chemistry that you're building between the characters, you know, like would I want to see Din again? Absolutely. But it's like without Grogu, you kind of lose one of the things that was most organically built over these two seasons, Uh, you know, and, you know, maybe there'll be circumstances that bring the two back together in season three. But I just feel like as of right now, that's kind of a broken promise that I see from, from the, the series. And I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, I want to talk briefly just about the Razor Crest being blown up as well, because uh, I know you're not 
nearly as big of a collector of specifically Star Wars action figures as I am. Uh, but vintage collection is something that I collect. And they had, HasLab had a Razor Crest that they had, they crowdsourced uh, for, for the Razor Crest. And it was over $300 and it hadn't yet been delivered to the people that had bought it before it was destroyed on screen. And I was just like, I'm so glad I didn't <laughs> buy one of those. Because <laughs> I would be like, no. I mean, it exists. <laughs> never going to you know, see it, it again. Never going to see it again. I'm like, I wanted to see more adventures of that thing. And of course, then we had jokes yeah. about like the Lego Razor Crest. And it was like, it's already done. And you just open the box and there it is, <laughs> which yeah. was awesome. Power, power Legos. Yeah, I know. I hear what you're saying about about season three. And, and you know, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what what they do. Because, yeah, that Mandalorian and... Grogu dynamic is what the show became. Like we did no idea that's what it was going to be when we were first uh, shown, you know, trailers and stuff and promotional materials for the Mandalorian. We had no idea. Like the, the baby Yoda thing at the end of the first episode was, was a massive, you know, game changer. We had no idea that was going to happen. And so are we going to have, are we going to go back to just kind of going through, going on missions, going on, you know, hunting down, uh, criminals. What are, what are we going to do? I, I don't know. Um, this episode, it is, it is kind of interesting. I, like I said, I, I do feel like it's a little bit of like a backdoor pilot for book of Boba Fett. I think it very much is like, we've, we've literally brought him back from the dead. Uh, I want to hear more about that story. Uh, and so this episode, it's kind of does, it doesn't really exist on its own for me right now until I get more of mm-hmm. that. I'll, I'll reserve judgment, I think, a little bit until we actually get deeper into Book of Boba Fett. But yeah, I guess yeah. you have you have Din Djarin kind of being a guest star on his own show a little bit. Kind of, <laughs> kind of overshadowed. Um, I think yeah. that'll be my last thing that he's kind of overshadowed by Boba Fett because who's cooler than Boba Fett? <laughs> well, and that's that's actually a great segue into another issue I have with season two, which. Season one feels very independent of a lot of established Star Wars media. Like there's obviously like hints and little things here and there, but like largely it's kind of an adventure, a standalone adventure all on its own. The last episode we talked about, like we weren't even sure if Din was going to make it out of season one alive. There's kind of, it's fun having that experience. And in season two, we have a ton of characters coming from other media. We've got Ahsoka, obviously. We've got Boba Fett. We've got Luke. Um, Spoiler, Bo-Katan. Right? <laughs> Bo-Katan, yeah. And, uh, you know, as much as I love all of those characters uh, in their other media, it also feels like you're kind of poking into, you know, what you said. That's That's what struck me is that sometimes Din kind of feels like the guest star on his own show rather than being kind of like a space Western and it's kind of like anything could happen. It's like, we know Luke's not going to die. <laughs> right. We know Ahsoka's not going to die. Like, you know, and it starts to feel like the Forrest Gumpification of, of. You just verbed Forrest Gump. That's amazing. Of Mandalorian, where it's like he's hitting the, the, the greatest hits. But it's like, wow, this is pretty extraordinary that you're bumping into all these people we already know (laughs) and then and then we don't see him again and that's where it's like boba fett bo-katan 
you know, if we see more of them, I'm more okay with it. Cause then it's like they're actual characters. Right. And I feel like with Luke, it was kind of this like one and done. Oh, isn't that cool? Aren't you excited about Luke? But then it's just like, he's not, again, we don't know what's in the future, but it's like, he, he's, you know, that's it. And the episode's more about Luke than, than, than Din. So, yeah. Okay. That's, that's some heavy stuff. And, uh, you know, I think, at least for me that I, I am willing to, to wait and see. I think that on balance Mandalorian has given us some great stuff. I think that both Favreau and, and Dave Filoni have, have done a great job with the show and it's kind of just kind of pulled some things out of left field and found a way to, to carve this thing out and make, I mean, the Mandalorian, I think just almost exclusively is, is the star Wars property that fans all like. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that that's Star Wars fans are, we're a tough bunch uh, to find something that does that. And so they've, I think they have a lot of goodwill built up, uh, but it will be interesting to see what they do with season three going forward. Absolutely. So as we close, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook, email us at reading between reels at gmail.com or use the speak pipe app on our website. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast catcher. We'd love to hear your feedback and it really helps get the word out about the podcast. And if you haven't yet, you can join our Facebook group. It's a safe place to share your thoughts and discuss all things related to movies.